Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Well, the Cavs fall 106-95 in their regular season finale to the Charlotte Hornets. But the journey is not done. The playoffs await as the Cavs get ready to host the Knicks on Saturday for the start of a first-round matchup against New York. Plenty more basketball coming, but Tommy Wilde, Spencer German here to recap it all on the latest installment of the Cavs Insider Podcast. Well, Tommy, it's been a, uh, a fun season without question. Cavaliers uh, finished the year 51 with 51 wins on the season, and everyone's kind of already rattled off at this point the, the numbers on that. First time since the late 90s that they got over 50 wins in a season. That didn't include LeBron James. Um, first time they are a four-seater higher since the early 90s, 1992, 93, I think it was. So fans certainly got their money's worth this year, and there's more where that came from as we get ready, obviously, for the postseason matchup with the Knicks here coming up. Um, just, I guess we'll start, Tommy, just looking back a little bit, and you know, what what do you make of the season to this point in a year where you know last year it was a young group, and I think they kind of overperformed. They were playing a little bit over their skis, if you will, and that sort of set the bar for higher expectations this year. That then I think. Those kind of exponentially went up when you make the trade for Donovan Mitchell, of course. And I just kind of, you know, I, I think it was an enjoyable season, but I hope fans haven't set the expectations so high that they weren't able to enjoy the ride to this point. Because it has been a fun year and there's been a lot of, of successes to celebrate. Yeah, I think, I think that, that if you look where this team's at, fourth team in the Eastern Conference, I think that's exactly where they should be. There's teams in the Eastern Conference that are definitely better than them, Celtics. Bucks, you know, those are the better teams right now, 76ers. But they're also not the worst team in the, in the Eastern Conference either. When, Like you said, when you make that trade for Donovan Mitchell, of course those expectations are going to go up. If we were a playing team this year, you know, that would be a little worrisome. But I think fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, you have home court advantage in your first series. Um, that's that's kind of where I expected this team to be at the beginning of the season. So I think, you know, overall, I think it's been a successful season. 
Yeah, and that's kind of a good maybe lead-in because I, I I guess as you look ahead and you think about this Knicks series, there's a lot of people who I think if you would ask them at the beginning of the year, you know, if you get to a first round, if you get into the first round, home court advantage, you're a top four seed, is that a, is that a successful season? But as the season went on, I feel like those expectations kind of changed a little bit, and I think there are some fans out there who feel they need to win this series in order for it to be a successful season. So. If like thinking ahead, if the Cavs were to lose this series coming up to the Knicks, and let's just let's just say it goes six, seven games, whatever, everyone's saying it's gonna be close. We're not just so everyone's aware, we're not going to get into the X's and O's of the matchup as much today because we're planning on doing another podcast later in the week, which will sort of address those things. So stay tuned for that. Um, but we want to kind of just, you know, tie a bow on the regular season and then kind of look ahead a little bit. So I guess sitting here today, Tommy, you use the word success. Would you say that at this point, the season has been a success no matter what happens in the playoffs? Yes, yeah, I, I do. do. Um, they, they have, have a better, better record than they did last year at this time when going to the when they're going to play in tournament. You made that upgrade for Donovan Mitchell. Like I said, you have that home court advantage. You were better than you were last year. And progress really is all you can ask for. So. Even if they win this, or I'm sorry, even if they lose this series, I do think this is a successful season. We've heard it all, all season long with J.P. Bickerstaff, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland. They've all talked about getting that experience and going from there. So if you look at this series and say, okay, they don't make it out of this one, obviously it's disappointing, but it's going to lead you into next season. And again, we kind of talked on this a little bit before we hit the record button today. Um, they're, we're not in that area yet where there's the immediate pressure on a championship, right? Because, yeah. of course, like I said, there are better teams in the Eastern Conference right now, um, and the Cavs are kind of in the middle of that. So even if they lose this series, it'll be disappointing, but they made progress on last season. They've gotten that experience you've talked about all season long, and then you go into next season and say, all right, time to make a run, time to make the Eastern Conference Finals, time to make that Finals appearance. So, yeah, I do think it's a successful season. Yeah, I think the thing that's hard for me is just, like, I sit here today and it's easy for me to say this is a successful season. But then I think about in the moment, you know, and if two weeks from now we're talking about the Cavs losing in seven games, it's going to be a lot harder to say that just because, and, and listen, you bring it up, I think we want this team to get the playoff experience. We we wanted it last year, if we're being honest. I mean, And, and, and to be clear. that big time last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, and to be clear, like they they overperformed last year. I don't think anybody expected them to even be in the playoff conversation as as long as they were. And then obviously we know late in the season they faded. A lot of that was injury driven because Jared Allen got hurt, Evan Mobley was hurt for a period of time. But um, yeah, like you, you started dreaming big of like, oh man, like this team's gonna be in the playoffs, like they're gonna get some of that experience, and then they don't get that. So I'm trying to keep in mind that. Yes, this is the first time a lot of these guys are going to get that playoff experience. And as you know, Tommy, and as many of our, our viewers and listeners know, in the NBA, that stuff is so invaluable. Like, you have to go through it in the playoffs. You have to kind of get those scars to really get a sense of what it's like and what it's going to be like in those moments and in those high-pressure situations. There's no other way to really teach it or learn it other than going through it. So on that level, like, yeah, I think this is an absolutely a successful season. You get you get home court for a first-round matchup. It could go seven games if, if the predictions are going to be right, and that's going to be seven games of very valuable experience for these players. Um, but at the same time, like, 
I have felt all year that this is the top four team in the NBA. So I guess selfishly, I'm going to want to see. <laughs> What'd you say? Top four team in the NBA. Oh, sorry. I meant in the Eastern <laughs> Conference. My bad. Um, and I like I want to see them. I don't want to see it end at just one round. I want to see them get to that next series, play a team that's obviously a little bit more battle tested, has won a championship with the the current core that they have, like the Bucks or even like the Celtics. I think obviously we know based on the the seeding that it would be the Bucks that they played next, assuming the right. Bucks win their first round, which they should. Um, but yeah, like I I want to see them get tested against one of those teams too. So I don't begrudge anybody who feels that way. I do hope though that fans can kind of reflect on this year and feel that there were successes in it, no matter what happens from here, because to your, and like you said, next year is where it really gets ramped up. Next year is where expectations are going to be through the roof. You make the playoffs this year, you're a top four seed. You have Donovan Mitchell. Okay. Now you've been tested a little bit next year. It's Eastern conference finals or higher, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that kind of like what you were saying, saying, like, like I know we'll get into the, 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 the more details of the series on Friday, but I guess, guess kind of going, going off of that, if all of a sudden two weeks from now, we're looking at a four-game sweep where the closest game was 15 points and the Cavs are out of the playoffs, is that a successful season? Maybe we're talking a different, having a different conversation. Context matters, exactly. Absolutely. So, like, but honestly, I think, like I said, if they go seven games and it's close games and they're getting that experience and, they're ready for next year. I, I don't see. I don't see how this this season can be a complete failure in that sense. I think another thing I want to just kind of reflect on briefly, and then we'll get some more into some some I guess burning questions we have as we look ahead to the postseason a little bit here. Um, it has been an absolute joy to watch Donovan Mitchell this year, and listen, and and this comes with some some interesting perspective because I've heard fans who have been a little unsettled by. The Donovan Mitchell trade late in the year, they think he's maybe becoming too much of a ball hog and it's too much hero ball. And they're sitting there questioning well, why, you know, they could have, they could have been the four seed with Colin Sexton and, and Lowry Markinen and asking all these questions. Uh, was the trade worth it? Should we have traded for this guy? And you, exactly. You're shaking your head. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, so am I <laughs> like, I, I do that trade, Tommy, you know, 20 times over. I, I yeah. mean, this guy is a top 10 to 15 player in the NBA. I think he proved that, especially this year. He's, he had one of the best years of his career, if not the best year of his career, specifically offensively. But you also saw the effort. The one thing he was getting knocked on coming over here was that he wasn't a great defender. And you could tell he put in the effort and the work on defense this year, which was a nice surprise for a Cavaliers team that obviously emphasizes defense. So Yeah, you say that. And the, sorry, sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. One of I think it was back in November, October. Um, I forget what team the Cavs were playing, but... There was that one play where Lamar Stevens, and I, I have been a huge fan of Lamar Stevens for, you know, I, I, for the past couple of years. I think he's a great addition to the team. And all of a sudden, you see Lamar Stevens on the bench getting into Donovan Mitchell. Like, you're going to let him score on him? You're going to let him score on him? You're going to let him score on you? And I think that not only has his defensive play gotten so much better since he played with the Jazz, but I think it's that culture that J.P. Becker's staff and, like, this team started building last year before they traded for him. And Metro just kind of fit into that so well. But, no, I completely agree that defensive level has taken another level since we traded for him. No doubt. And, and, and two, sort of going back to what I was alluding to with the people maybe regretting the trade, I think what people are missing here, because, yeah, Lowry Markinen was phenomenal this season. He was putting up big numbers. And in theory, 
that is the guy you're missing on this team. You're missing that small forward three spot that can just be sort of a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter for you alongside Mitchell and Garland. So I get why people are jumping to that conclusion of like, well, I wish you wouldn't have given up marketing. And I'm with you if you're if that's how you feel. I 100% agree. Like If they could have made that trade keeping marketing, I would have felt amazing about the direction of this team because you had all the starting five filled rather than we sort of saw carousel players getting rotated in all year at the three. And that kind of proved to be a, a weakness for this team at times. Um, I would rather have all the starting five taken care of and then just know, okay, maybe depth is an issue, but you can address that this offseason. Um, I'd love it if they didn't have to trade Larry Markin in that deal. I really would have. But at the same time, if it gets you a player like Donovan Mitchell and we're sitting here getting ready for a playoff series, we know like these having star players matters at this time of year. Having the star players, having the guys that can just put a team on your back and carry you is going to ideally or ultimately get you further in the playoffs. We saw for years with LeBron. He's obviously another level, even beyond Donovan Mitchell, uh, especially when he was in his prime. But still, like you want a guy like that on your team. It's why, again, we're not going to get too much into this, but it's why as I go into this Knicks series, I kind of ask myself, like, who is their stone-cold killer at the end of a game? I, I guess it's Jalen Brunson. He's kind of proven it over the last month or so of the who season. Is Randall's not too yeah. bad either. Yeah. But, I, you know, Brunson's kind of stepped up and shown, like, I can be a star player in this league too, so maybe it is him. But um, between the two of them, like, Mitchell's a little bit more of a star, I think, by NBA standards than Brunson is at this point. And I think that gives the Cavs a little bit of an edge in this series. No, I, I, I kind of what we're going back. back. Would you, would do, you the do the trade, trade again? again? Absolutely, Absolutely, do the trade, trade again. again. I, mean, I mean, when, when you, you trade, trade for, for an all-star, a superstar player in the NBA, NBA you're going to have to give up good players. players. And, and in, in this, this case, case, it was Colin Saxon and Lori Markin. Both good and great NBA players. players. I mean, Lori Markin was an all-star this year. So, like you said, of course you want Lori Markin on this team to play that three. But the reality is if you want Donovan Mitchell, if you want to trade for that superstar player, you're going to have to give up an all-star to get him. And... You know, no, like, like I said, said Markin is a good player. Jackson's a good player. I can't see either of them go for 71 points. I don't know if I can see either of them scoring 40 points in what is he, four or three, three or four straight games now. So he may, you know, his usage rate may be gone towards the end of the year. But like you said, that hero ball, that superstar you need to have to win a playoff series, that's what we're going to get. That's what we're going to see. And I think that's okay. I also think, too, that with the Lowry marketing thing, just to sort of put the kibosh on this conversation, you see it around the NBA. Like, on bad teams, there's guys who are good. Like, guys are going to have to score. Somebody's going to have to score a lot of the points, and he kind of was the guy who stepped into that role, marketing, and embraced it. And, yeah, he became an all-star because of it, which I guess has some people feeling like buyer's remorse on the Donovan Mitchell thing, which is preposterous to me. But you're going to scoring is up across the league. Like, yeah. on every team, somebody has to be the go-to scorer. It happened to be Markkinen on that team because they didn't have anybody else. But look where they ended up with Colin Sexton and Larry Markkinen. They they started the year as, like, the best team in the West, and they faded to the point where they're not even in the playoff conversation anymore. So, yeah, I, I think um, I, I do that trade over and over and over again. Donovan Mitchell's been phenomenal, and it's been a lot of fun to watch him. I think the Cavs are certainly a better team and grateful to have him. Outside of... The core four guys, so Mitchell, uh, Garland, Mobley, and Allen. Who do you think is the most important player to this team if they are going to make a lengthier postseason run? So 
So I could so say Karis LeVert, and that might be an obvious answer because, you know, he's kind of been that six-man. It's okay. I like, I like going outside the box a little bit. Yeah, yeah I, obviously he's going to be your X-Factor. I think that that is pretty clear. So I want to go do something a little different here. I'm going to go with Ricky Rubio. He's going to be the leader of the bench unit. He's going to be the primary ball handler when either Mitchell's not on the floor or even sometimes if Garland is, Garland comes off the ball. And, and he's, he's one of your only players who's, who's had experience, experience playing in that, that you know, postseason playoff atmosphere. You know, Danny Green, Green we're going to get into all, all that on Friday, too. too. But again, again he's one of your veterans on the team that's played in, in, in this environment, in this playoff-like atmosphere. He's going to be the one with the ball in his hands when the star players are getting their rest. And he's going to be the one running that offense with the second unit. And I think that's where the Cavs could really shine. Again, I know we're going to all this on Friday with the Knicks and everything. But in that second unit, I think that he's going to be that kind of separation from the um, bench depth that each of these teams have. I like that. I really like that answer for sort of trying to be a little bit different. Um, and, I, and I think you're on to something, too, because we know how important he was to the team last year as, as a leader and a scorer off the bench. If he can become more consistent, I could definitely see him being a really huge X factor for this team come really that that first Nick series and beyond if they make a run. Um, Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I guess I'm kind of going to take the easy way out. I do think it's Karis because when Karis has played better down the stretch here, it's obviously worked wonders for the Cavs, specifically for that second unit. But just to know that you have some confidence in a guy coming off that bench who can score, he's been phenomenal down the stretch of the season. Um, it's been a lot of fun to see him sort of kick it into a higher gear because, I mean, listen, at the beginning of the season, everybody and their mother wanted him traded at the deadline. And people were sort of still – people were frustrated – that he didn't get traded at the deadline, but you didn't really have a lot because he wasn't playing consistently enough to sell him on. Like you were trying to get teams to buy him, but it was like, well, he's not playing that great. And he hasn't really been a, con a consistent scorer. And then he really upticked it after the, after the um, trade deadline. And that's worked wonders for Cleveland. 
And I think that that I remember seeing somewhere, I forget exactly where it was. I do remember kind of him saying that like that was that was on his mind. Like, am I going to get traded? Am I not going to get traded? Like, I think that sometimes we do forget that like that 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 would affect you. Where am I going to be playing in two weeks? Where am I going to be living in two weeks? So I think that kind of saying after the um, trade deadline where he picked it up, it was kind of that nice confidence that I'm here. Like I'm here for the rest of the season. I'm here to help this team run. I think that's definitely helped his, um, you know, play during these last month and a half or two months. And I mean, I I think I think they were going to extend him anyway this off season. But I got to imagine. I mean, after the way he's played, he's obviously getting an extension. And you just hope that either he keeps playing like he's playing and he continues to be an asset for you, or maybe next year at the deadline or a couple deadlines from now, as again, because you end up re-upping with him, he does become an asset for you to trade because. He's playing at a higher level, and you can get something for him. So no matter what, I think he's back next year. Uh, sort of an uh, to, to Lavert, I think is the obvious answer, but I do think um, don't sleep on Isaac Okoro as an answer to this question either. I, I understand, obviously, he's dealing with the injury. It sounds mm-hmm. like I know he practiced uh, Friday, Saturday, Saturday too, I believe. Yeah, and Saturday he kind of did like a after practice shoot around type deal. So they say they make it sounds like he's progressing towards returning for the series, and he luckily has this week off to kind of get himself right. But the, the reason I say him is because we know when he's when he's knocking down threes at a consistent level, which he did at points this season. That, that's been the story of Isaac Okor, right? He comes and goes, it comes in waves. There's 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 stretches where he's lights out from three, knocking everything down. You get the game winner about a month ago in that in that game, that one game. Yes. Um, and and that was obviously great, but um, when he's doing that, he's obviously an asset. But also, we know how defensively important he is to this team, and especially in this first series, I worry a little bit. Again, something we can talk more about Friday. I worry a little bit if you don't have Isaac Okoro. Hopefully, we have more context on that at the end of the week. Yeah. Um, against Jay, with, with the Cavs against Jalen Brunson because we know the this is part of the storyline going into this one is Donovan Mitchell against Jalen Brunson. Last year, he was basically a turnstile against Brunson, and Brunson could really just, you know, at will go to the basket against him. So what does that look like? How do you play defense on him if you don't have Isaac Okoro? Because that's the guy who probably gets the assignment against him. And in their matchups this season when he was on the court, he did a pretty good job at limiting Brunson. I think he had he averaged like 17 points in the three games they played when, when, Okoro, when Okoro was out there, and he averages like 24 a game. So he held him in check a little bit, limited the scoring, and we know that he takes pride in that side of the ball. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that if he's able to play, he could potentially be an X factor in the series that's taking away one of the primary scorers or maybe the primary scorer of Julius Randle can't go for the Knicks. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. And like you said, it's all going to come down to whether he's available or not. Um, I'm a little worried. I thought that when he went out of that game against the Rockets, when did that almost two and a half weeks ago? Yeah. I believe that the Cavs were up by like 20 at halftime. It was just some sort of like cautionary – Thing, and then all of a sudden he's out the next game. And, you know, I, he was – he did every single game up to that point of the season. He was the Cavs Iron Man. And now all of a sudden you know that if he's not playing in these games, something's going on. So I, I completely agree with what you're saying. And hopefully we'll know more by Friday. But if the question is, is he going to be there or not? I hope he is. Yeah. I really do. I've had a bipolar relationship with Isaac Okoro. You'll learn that about me real quick, Tommy. I I go from loving the guy and then I go to, like, dude, this guy's just a net negative on the court. And now as we're getting ready for the playoffs, I'm like, he actually would be really important in this series to guard Jalen Brunson. So we'll see how it shakes out. Obviously, 
him being out there would be a, a mega, a, a huge boost for the Absolutely. Cavs. And, and JB Bickerstaff said that. So, um, um, not, to, not to plug one of my own stories here, but if you go over to CavsInsider.com, that's kind of where we post all of our stories. Um, I actually did a story about three players that need to stop up if Isaac Okoro's injury drags into the playoffs. And one of my head was Lamar Stevens, and I've already talked about him a little bit. But even if Okoro can't go, if we're talking about players that might be like the sleeper affected, um, sleeper X factor, Lamar Stevens had a defensive rating of 111.7. I'm sorry, 111.1, I believe. And Isaac Okoro's was like 111. Point seven. So they were very comparable. So if Isaac Okoro can't go and you need someone to lock up Jalen Brunson, I mean, I know we'll get into this on Friday, but yeah. I'm just getting excited. Um, I do think Lamar Stevens might be that guy. Well, two things. I'll say uh, Lamar Stevens did struggle against the Knicks in that last game, so he may be a source of motivation for him um, to guard Brunson a little bit better because he was not looking very good against him that last time out, but also never hesitate to plug anything at the site. Obviously, Tommy, I know you yeah. do some great <laughs> stuff over there. You're probably the, the writing the most consistently. I get in there when I can, but, uh, yeah, definitely check it out. CavsInsider.com, and we'll have some more stuff for you as we get ready for the playoff matchup next weekend, but also, uh, throughout real quick on, on players that need to step up. You think, uh, after what we saw the last two games, um from Danny Green and I know yesterday Sunday's game not quite as impressive as the 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 other the the game prior um where he put up 21 points against the uh the Magic but he still had 13 he was only three of 10 from three so not he was five of nine in the the game against Orlando five of 12 from the floor but still like getting some consistent scoring from him in extended minutes do you think he's earned himself at least a look in the rotation come postseason time. You brought it up earlier. Like, he's a guy who obviously has the playoff experience. He's won a couple rings. He knows what it takes to win on that on that stage. And let's face it, like, you signed this guy. I've been saying this since it happened. The signing of Danny Green, I think, is part of what let, left Kevin Love feeling like he needed to go. Because... Once you sign him, and he probably envisions that they want some role for him, I had to. I have to think that Kevin Love was like, well, what role, how am I ever going to get back in the rotation if now they have Danny Green? And yet they, they haven't used him. And I, I, I still attest that like Kevin Love I think would be a valuable asset off the bench for this team, especially in the playoffs. So do you think maybe he's carved out a role for himself where come postseason time he's getting a few minutes here or there and maybe coming in to knock down a couple threes for you? I absolutely. absolutely, and I'm, I'm with you with there you too. There I too. think that we've looked at this, this roster, roster right now. Kevin, Kevin Love definitely would have still had a spot. spot. Uh, unfortunately, that's not what happened. But you look at this roster, look at the team they have. Absolutely, I think Danny Green has a chance to even play eight minutes a night. Right? We've seen what happens when Danny Green can get hot. When he is shooting threes and he can't miss, he cannot miss. So even in those eight minutes, if he comes in and he can get three or four shots off him. Hit 50 percent of those, whether it's a three, whether he's in the basket. I think he's a smart enough player. He's been in the league plenty, plenty long enough. He's had that playoff experience, especially if Isaac Okoro is not able to play. I think that there's definitely a spot for um, Danny Green's roster. And I mean, I'm in this playoff rotation, and I know JB Bickerstaff had talked about this a couple days ago too, kind of saying how when he got here, they were trying to get him in. Um, in, in some sort of role in the league's health and safety protocols, which kind of threw, I think the exact words were through a wrench in things, which makes sense if he can't play. 
Um, but past two games, if he's getting hot, if he has the hot hand, it's the playoffs. You got to play who's play who's shooting well. Yeah, you got to empty the clip, right? I mean, it's 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 the playoffs. It's winner go home. So you'd you'd imagine that they try to work him in, and I think you said it best. Like, it doesn't have to be twenty minutes, like we saw the last couple games, but eight minutes, seven minutes. Like, if he can come in and just kind of be a, a scorer for you off the bench and maybe hit a couple shots, that could be the difference in you winning and losing the game. So um, I think that's well said. Um, real quick, as we sort of turn our attention here, don't want to go too much longer with you guys, but we do appreciate you tuning in here uh, at the for the Cavs Insider Podcast. Couple final thoughts. First of all. I think that this Cavs Knicks series, Tommy, is the most intriguing and interesting first round matchup that we're getting in the, in the postseason. Reason being the storylines, right? Donovan Mitchell playing against his the team he grew up cheering for. It helps that last last summer the Knicks were heavily linked to trading for Mitchell to the point where he thought he was going to be a New York Knick. Like he thought it was almost a done deal that he was going to be going next. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we think, think about our reaction when we saw he was going to the Cavs. I mean, we were all stunned. It came out of the blue that all of a sudden he's coming to Cleveland and not going to New York, and it feels like they kind of snatched him from underneath him. So I, I think all of that, plus we alluded to it earlier, but like the Brunson versus Mitchell matchup of not only because that's the guy they picked and ultimately over Mitchell, but also just because those two met in the playoffs last year and. Brunson obviously got the better of him. There's just a lot of layers to this matchup. And I think of the other ones I look at, I mean, look in the East, like 76ers, Nets doesn't do much for me. Assuming the Heat come out of the play-in tournament, they're probably playing They're probably playing Boston. That one maybe has some intrigue because they met last year in the playoffs, but I don't know if it's as much as this Cavs-Knicks series with some of the drama and storylines you have. And then the Bucks end up with maybe the Hawks, the Raptors, the Bulls, maybe the Heat if they stumble here. But again, none of that really matters. I think, I think everybody assumes the Bucks are just going to dispose of whoever they play. I think the only series that could have rivaled it, Tommy, honestly, was if somehow the Grizzlies and Warriors ended up matching up. Because we know there's some bad blood between the teams. They like to trash talk a lot. But I mean, like Suns Clippers, that's interesting. But we know Paul George is dealing with an injury. We don't know if he's going to play. Obviously, the Lakers are going to draw no matter who they play. They're in the playing tournament right now. They might end up getting the Grizzlies. But I don't know if there's as many storylines as intriguing as we're going to get in this Cavs-Knicks series. Completely agree. If you want to add some more storylines, remember the Cavs were pretty pretty much in on acquiring Josh Hart. They wanted to get him from the Trailblazers at the deadline. We want to add another storyline. You know, Cleveland's a huge Dayton population of kids that go down and go to um, University of Dayton and Obi Toppin. So I feel like there's a ton of layers to this series that you can just keep peeling play. And as a first-round matchup, it's going to be fun. And like you said, too, the one and eight series always end up being like some sort of um, sweep, gentleman sweep. So like the four and five, you know, they're evenly matched. And we've seen good games between these two teams throughout the season anyway. So, yeah, it's going to be fun one for sure. Yeah, and I, and I think also there's just the uh... – the narrative always that New York sort of doesn't take Cleveland seriously. Uh, we saw that exactly. in the New York Post a couple weeks ago. They had that article. They said the Knicks want the Cavs because it's an old. They called it an ultra, ultra winnable series. Um, 
We got the Yankees in town this week too against the against the Guardians. So a little added intrigue there that is just uh, beat up on New York week, I guess here in Cleveland. So <laughs> I think fans definitely want to get the 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 better of that city and those that fan base as well. So yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, and it should yeah, make for a some comments when Odell got traded. Yeah, that's right. Stephen A. Smith, he had the comments a couple weeks ago about how you know they can't get the series against the Cavs and lose to the Cavs. Like you can't do that. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of layers there, and I look forward to unpacking that a little bit more with you coming up on Friday. Last thing, let's get out here with this. The Cavs will win this series if blank. The Cavs, the Cavs will, win will win this series, series if, if Isaac Okoro plays at least three games. Mm. I don't know, I don't know how long he's going to take to get back. We've already talked about it and dug into it a ton. If he plays at least three games, Cavs won the series. Got to get one without him, though. I think I'm going to go with the Cavs will win this series if Evan Mobley um, sort of continues that that I don't know. I don't want it to become like a wordy answer, but if Evan Mobley plays up to his potential and doesn't shrink in this moment, because listen, we Donovan Mitchell. I'm going into the series understanding like I have no doubts what he's going to do and what he's going to bring to the table. He's going to come in heavily motivated. We know that he showed that the last time out against the Knicks. I don't think that's a question at all, but we know like Evan Moby has been the big person. Everyone's had their eyes on because he's supposed to be this unicorn player. And at times I think some fans have gotten discouraged because they feel the offenses, the offensive game isn't, isn't quite developed yet. Um, I think if you look at his defensive game, you see a guy who's been absolutely incredible. I mean, he got himself into the defensive player of the year conversation, but can he continue that in the postseason? Can he continue to rise to the occasion and develop in the way that we all expect him to develop and contribute enough offensively in support of Donovan Mitchell while also just making some of those amazing plays that he seems to make every single game on the defensive end of the floor? If that happens, I think the Cavs have no problem with this series. If he shrinks in that moment, though, then it could be an issue because I do think you end up relying on Donovan Mitchell a little bit too much, and I don't know that the Cavs can, can bank on that. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's great. If Evan Mobley is Evan Mobley. It's <laughs> a good way to put it, definitely. <laughs> Any final thoughts from you, Tommy, before we get out of here, um, and I'll wrap us up? Not today. I'm excited to get into this completely breaking down the series on Friday, though, because like we already talked about, there's a lot of layers, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. So make sure you come back on Friday to listen to that. I could not have teased it any better. We'll be back Friday with another episode of the Cavs Insider Podcast where we'll dissect the series a little bit more. Point is, we'll have a little bit more information by then. Maybe we'll know about Isaac Okoro. Maybe we'll know about Julius Randle. There'll be a lot more to talk about. So um, we'll get into that on Friday. We hope you enjoyed this sort of post-mortem, regular season version of the podcast. Like I said, we'll be back Friday with more. And as always, be sure to check out CavsInsider.com for the latest news and updates on the Cleveland Cavaliers, and you can follow all of our social media channels at CavsInsider underscore FM. We'll talk to you Friday, Cleveland. Enjoy your week.